Good morning, and welcome to Simply Economics. It's Tuesday, February 13th. On today's show, buoyant UK labor market data hides the rise in long-term sickness, and only an economist could believe in the impossibility that is monetarism. Plus, the RBNZ survey reveals that inflation expectations continue to fall. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Economics. We start off with a look at Britain's labor market, which appears to be in good shape with rising employment and falling unemployment. However, a closer look reveals some underlying issues. The Office for National Statistics, ONS, reports that the robust jobs market is partly due to a lack of workers caused by long-term ill health. Here to delve deeper into this is our correspondent, Abby. Can you tell us more about this situation? Certainly, David. The ONS data shows that the number of people inactive for health reasons was 2.8 million by the end of 2023. That's an increase of more than 200,000 on the year and a jump of 700,000 since before the COVID pandemic. This absence of so many potential workers from the labor market has consequences. What kind of consequences are we talking about here? Well, for one, there are still a high number of job vacancies, despite the economy having been flatlining for the best part of two years. While vacancies have been on a downward trend throughout this period, at 932,000, they are still above pre-COVID levels. Employers are also trying to plug the gap by employing more people from overseas. The number of UK-born workers decreased by 312,000 between the fourth quarter of 2022 and the fourth quarter of 2023, while the number of foreign-born workers rose by 405,000. And how is this affecting wages and earnings? The labor market remains tight, and that is reflected in pay. Regular private sector wage growth was 6.2% higher in the three months ending in December than in the same period a year earlier. That was down from 6.6% in the three months to November, but above the bank's forecast of 6%. The rate of earnings growth is coming down, but not as quickly as the Bank of England and the financial markets have expected. What are the implications of these findings? There are a few key takeaways from the ONS data. Firstly, employers are likely to oppose measures that would sharply cut the flows of migrant workers into the UK. Secondly, there will be pressure on Chancellor Jeremy Hunt to announce measures to tackle long-term sickness in next month's budget. The Work Foundation has warned against tightening benefit rules, suggesting that welfare cuts risk pushing those dependent on universal credit into low-paid, insecure work that could worsen their underlying health conditions. Lastly, with private sector earnings growth still running above 6%, the rate-setting Monetary Policy Committee is likely to be more cautious about cutting interest rates. Thanks for that comprehensive analysis, Abby. Now, shifting gears, let's delve into the interconnected world of global economies. This is particularly evident when we consider investment banks like Goldman Sachs. However, Economists Steve Hankey and John Greenwood from Johns Hopkins have recently predicted a looming U.S. recession, citing a slowdown in the growth of the so-called money supply, or M2. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent, Bella. Can you tell us more about this prediction and its implications? Certainly, David. 
Hanke and Greenwood believe that the Federal Reserve has starved the U.S. economy of money, leading to a 4.5% contraction of M2 since March of 2022. They argue that this contraction has baked in the cake, a recession for 2024. They claim that this perspective aligns with the late Milton Friedman's quantity theory of money, suggesting that the Fed is way too tight. But isn't credit produced and circulated globally? How does this factor into Hanke and Greenwood's prediction? That's a great point, David. As the late economist Robert Mundell stated, the only closed economy is the world economy. This means that even if the Fed is tight, as Hanke and Greenwood suggest, money sources from around the world, including investment banks like Goldman Sachs, can quickly compensate for this alleged tightness. Investment banks are constantly seeking good businesses in need of capital, and they arguably do a much better job of matching genius with capital than central bankers. So, what you're saying is that the actions of the Fed may not have as much impact as Hanke and Greenwood suggest. Exactly. If the Fed is indeed tight, it's not necessarily a signal of a looming recession. Instead, it could be seen as an opportunity for markets and market forces to substitute themselves for central planners. This could actually be a good thing and could potentially drive growth. The dynamics of the global economy are indeed complex and not just dictated by a single entity like the Federal Reserve. Speaking of economic trends, new survey results indicate that business leaders and professional forecasters continue to see inflation tracking down, a trend that economists believe will be encouraging for the Reserve Bank. Here to delve into this further is our correspondent from Simply Economics. Can you give us more insight into these survey results? Certainly, David. The Reserve Bank's quarterly survey of expectations involved 38 participants who on average predict the annual inflation rate to fall to 3.22% by this time next year, down from the current 4.7%. They also foresee it dropping further to 2.5% by early 2026. And how does this compare to the Reserve Bank's own forecasts? The Reserve Bank's latest economic forecasts, released in late November, actually predicted a faster fall in inflation. If the survey respondents are correct and the inflation rate falls to 3.22% by early next year, it would mean that inflation has been outside the Reserve Bank's target range of 1 to 3% for nearly four years. What about the official cash rate? What are the expectations there? While the Reserve Bank suggested in November that it could hike the official cash rate one more time this year before cutting it in 2025, survey respondents predict a cut from 5.5% to an average of 4.74% by this time next year. And how does this affect businesses and their pricing strategies? Well, if businesses expect inflation to remain high, they are more likely to try and push through larger increases in prices. This also affects wage setting. However, the survey showed that expectations are continuing to drop, moving closer to the Reserve Bank's target. What about economic growth prospects in New Zealand? What does the survey reveal? The respondents appear to be concerned about economic growth. On average, they predict annual gross domestic product growth of 1.26% in a year's time, improving slightly to 1.88% in two years. They also anticipate the unemployment rate rising to 4.64% in a year's time and 4.69% in two years' time. And what about the housing market? What are the expectations there? Respondents predict house prices to rise by an average of 4.82% over the year 
before picking up to 5.78% during the following year. Finally, how did the survey results impact the New Zealand dollar? The New Zealand dollar fell from 61.3 to 61.0 US cents after the survey results were published on Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for the insights, Michael. Now, shifting our focus to Southeast Asia, despite a tepid global environment, the Malaysian economy has demonstrated its resilience, achieving a growth rate of 3.3% in the third quarter of 2023. However, the economic landscape is not without its challenges. Here to delve deeper into this is our correspondent Celeste. Could you give us an overview of the current economic situation in Malaysia? Certainly, David. While the growth rate is a positive sign, there are several areas of concern. Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim's administration has been managing a range of economic issues, including inflation, the exchange rate, fiscal space, and identifying drivers of growth. The war in Ukraine has led to increased inflation, affecting the price of fertilizers, animal feed, and agricultural produce. This, in turn, has led to higher food import bills, with food security remaining a problem. What about the fiscal situation in Malaysia? The fiscal situation has been a major point of debate. Concerns revolve around large government debts, rising operating expenditure, inadequate tax revenue, and the continued burden of subsidies. The federal government's total debt and liabilities at the end of 2022 was about RM.45 trillion, or 80.9% of GDP, which is not a desirable situation. What steps is the government taking to address these issues? The government has launched the Central Database Hub, or PADU, a centralized socioeconomic database to efficiently deliver targeted subsidies. In 2023, electricity subsidies were cut, and the government announced that diesel subsidies would be implemented in phases in 2024. However, the government has been slow to act on subsidy rationalization, largely due to the need for caution. The top 20% of the population might not benefit from petrol subsidies, but they may begrudge not being able to take advantage of them. What about tax revenue? Is that also a concern? Yes, tax revenue, particularly indirect tax revenue, is at the root of the problem. The government's reluctance to reintroduce the goods and services tax, GST, is often explained away as a political problem. The government has also shied away from experimenting with alternative tax systems, there is no doubt that indirect tax revenue must be raised. And how has the Malaysian ringgit been performing? The Malaysian ringgit fell as low as RM470 to the US dollar in December 2023. While the slide in domestic currencies was felt across many countries across the world, the ringgit performed especially poorly, attracting criticism from some quarters. What are the government's plans for the future? The government has outlined its policy agenda through the midterm review of the 12th Malaysia Plan, New Industrial Master Plan 2030, the National Energy Transformation Roadmap, and Madani Economy Framework. These plans lay a map for Malaysia's development, where the emphasis will be on digitization, climate change, and environmental, social, and governance, creating new drivers of growth. Emphasis has, correctly, been placed on good governance and a corruption-free economy. What can we expect for 2024? There are many challenges on the economic front. 2024 might be kinder than 2023 was, though not without some obstacles. Anti-corruption efforts will likely meet resistance, and despite the coalition's two-thirds majority in parliament, one could expect continual attempts at disruption. 
clearly outlined priorities and policy firmness will count throughout 2024. The government should spur itself into choosing the road less taken. That will require boldness and resolve. That was a comprehensive overview indeed, thanks to our Simply Economics reporter, Celeste. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Economics. We'll see you back here tomorrow.